0: Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 12, 13, 14 and 15 of The Maze Runner. So where we left off, the girl's still in a coma. They assume. The medjacks don't really have that much medical knowledge, but they're, they're running with the theory that she's in a coma. And also Ben, the boy who was stung by a griever, he went crazy and he tried to kill Thomas, who was just wandering around the cemetery just as you do. Just scoping out the joint, and Albie shot an arrow through his face. And then Thomas was just wandering around on a go slow, having a break, and then he sees one of the runners come out from the maze and collapse. So that's where we pick up with chapter 12. Thomas is frozen for a few seconds, not knowing what to do. He's just staring at this guy who's collapsed, and he's frozen with indecision, afraid to get involved. Like, oh my God, someone's just collapsed, mate. Maybe just like buck up and do something. So he just shouts, Albie, Newt, somebody get them. No one's around. I don't believe anyone's within earshot, but he's shouting out for Albie and Newt who were nowhere near him. Whatever. So he's shouting out to no one and he thinks, well, I better go run over to him. That might be more helpful. Who would have thought? So the runner, he's like heaving. He is exhausted, trying to catch his breath. And Thomas is like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, who the clunk are you? (laughs) More importantly, (laughs) who are you? I've probably gone through some sort of intense trauma and some drama in the maze. But more importantly, who's this new guy talking to me? And Thomas says, I'm new here. Like, all right. And then he's worried that because the runners, you know, are busy running around, they might not know who he is. And he's sort of like, oh, surely someone would have told him about me, surely. Surely I'm the talk of the town, but you know what? He is. He goes, I'm Thomas, been here just a couple of days. And the runner, he goes, oh yeah, Thomas, the newbie, you and the chick, the chick. So yeah, this runner, he is all up to date on the goss. And Albie, I guess must've heard Thomas. I'm knocking Thomas for everything, but like he's turning out to be correct in almost every situation, who knew? So Albie heard him and he's running over. And he goes, oh, Minnow, what are you doing back? What happened? And Minnow goes, calm your wad, Albie. And by the way, James Dashner is still referring to Minnow as the runner, even though we've just learned his name, but he's still the runner, capital R. He says, calm your wad. Why don't you make yourself useful and get me some water? And Albie doesn't move. And then he kicks Minnow in the leg and says, what happened? And Minnow says, I can barely talk, shuck face get me some water. And then Alby looks at Thomas with a hint of a smile and says, Minnow's the only shank who can talk to me like that without getting his butt kicked off the cliff. Where is this cliff? He keeps talking about this cliff. Is there a cliff? I haven't seen a cliff. A cliff wasn't included in the orientation tour. Where is this cliff? If it's through the maze, then surely it, it changes where it is because the maze... Moves, the walls move. I don't understand, but he keeps threatening this cliff. I'd love to see it. And also, it's a proper noun, capital C. And so then Albie turns and runs off to go get some water. I'm shocked by this. If I were Albie, I would have said, Hey, newbie, why don't you go and fetch the water while I talk to Minnow? But Albie's turned around and went to go get the water. Good for Albie, just, you know, sharing responsibility. He's not too high and mighty to not get the water. Good for him. And Thomas says to Minnow, he lets you boss him around? And Minnow goes, you scared of that pipsqueak? Dude, you got a lot to learn, freaking newbies. And Thomas is like, hurt by that? Like, really, like, do you really care that much, Thomas? And Thomas is like, well, isn't he the leader? And Minnow's like, the leader, yeah, right. And so Thomas is like, well, then who is the leader? And Minnow says, Greeny, just shut it before you confuse yourself more. Why do you shanks always come in here asking stupid questions? It's really annoying. I thought you needed water. <laughs> like, he was all like, "Ah, oh, I can't talk. I need water. And here he is talking a thousand words a minute, just berating Thomas. I don't think he needs water. I think that was a con to get Albie away from him. And Thomas, is he's getting pissed off. He's like, yeah, I'm asking questions. He really hates when people challenge him for asking questions. He goes, what do you expect us newbies to do? And he's also thinking, like you would have been any different, you were probably new just a few weeks ago as well. Mino says, do what you're told, keep your mouth shut. That's what I expect. And Thomas is like, you piece of shit. I hate this kid. He says, I'm sure that's exactly what you did as a newbie. And he says, I was one of the first gladers, slint head. Shut your hole till you know what you're talking about. Well, he's never gonna know what he's talking about unless people start answering his questions. I'm on his side here. And Thomas is over it. He's fed up with the attitude and he goes to like get up. And then Minnow says, oh, dude, sit down. I'm just playing with your head. It's too much fun. You'll see when the next newbie comes. And then he goes, oh, well, I guess there won't be another newbie, huh? This chatterbox, I was led to believe he was out of breath. He was on the floor. He had collapsed. He was panting. He was heaving. I I think he's fine. I've never met a more talkative person. And then Minnow says, you saw the chick, right? Everybody says you probably know her or something. Why are people saying that? yes, he probably does know her, but logically there's no basis for that. And Thomas is like, well, uh, no, I saw her, but she doesn't look familiar at all. And then he feels guilty for lying. Like you're not lying. You don't recognize her. You just have a feeling that maybe she might be familiar, perhaps. And then Mino says, she hot? Well, he asks a lot of questions for someone who hates getting asked questions. And Thomas is like, yeah, I guess she is pretty hot. This obsession with whether or not she's hot, it's just so galling. And then Minnow makes a joke about having a thing for chicks in comas. And he's laughing. He's just got so much energy for someone who's passed out. And Albie, he must be getting water from, I don't know, from within the maze or something because he's taking forever. And so Thomas is like, so um, did you find anything in the maze today? Just (laughs) really going for it. He was told to shut up (laughs) and shut his hole and not ask questions, and here he is just really going for it. And Minnow says, you know what, Greeny? That's usually the dumbest shuck-faced thing you could ask a runner, but not today. And Thomas is like, whoa, what do you mean? And Minno says, well, let's wait till Alby gets back. I don't like saying stuff twice. Plus, he might not want you to hear it anyway. So he is the boss. Minnow's full of contradictions. And then Thomas says, well, at least tell me why you look so tired. Don't you run out there every day? Now that's rude, Thomas. You don't ask someone why they look tired because what if they're not tired? That's the rudest thing you could ask someone. Although he clearly is tired because he collapsed. But still. And Minnow says, yeah, greenie. He's so aggressive. Like he could be saying it like, yeah, greenie, but it feels like he's saying, yeah, greenie. I run out there every day. He's so sarcastic. Let's just say I got a little excited and ran extra fast to get my behind back here. Now, usually when I say behind, I'm saying it facetiously, but this time it's actually spelled H-I-N-D. So James Dashner, he wants us to say behind. Why they're talking like this, I don't know. And Thomas says, why? And he goes, look, mate, I told you, patience. Just wait for Albie. And something in his voice lessened the blow. Okay, so now he's talking nicely. <sighs> Beats me. And Thomas made his decision. He liked Minnow. What? Now he likes Minnow. Minnow's been a prick. And then Albie comes after his giant trek to the well or wherever, and he's just got water in a little plastic cup. I'm sorry, we couldn't have gotten a bottle or a canteen or something with a lid. That's why he took so long, because he was walking back balancing a plastic cup full of water, probably spilling it and splashing it out. Who goes to fetch water and comes back with with an unsealed cup. What the, the, what's the most unrealistic thing I've read so far in this book? So Minnow, he gulps the whole thing down in one swallow without stopping for breath. And now that he's had water, he can finally talk, even though he's just been chatty Cathy. Now he's like, all right, all right, I can talk. And he says, I found a dead one. And Albie says, a dead what? And he smiles and says, a dead griever. And that's the end of the chapter. And we start chapter 13 in that same moment. So I guess that revelation was a big deal. A dead griever, bang, cliffhanger. Who gives a shit? So then Thomas is saying that he's fascinated at the mention of a griever at the start of the next chapter. And he's wondering why finding a big one is such a big deal. He's like, oh, has this never happened before? And Albie, he's gone all cold. He's like, what? He says, ain't a good time for jokes. And Minnow says, look, I wouldn't believe me if I were you either, but trust me, I did. Big, fat, nasty one. And Alby's like, oh my God, a dead griever? And Minnow goes, yes, Albie, a couple of miles from here, out near the cliff. Okay, so the cliff is real. Good, good to know. And Albie, he's like, well, why didn't you bring it back? And Minnow, he's laughing. He's like, oh, you been drinking fry pan saucy sauce? What saucy sauce? Is that al- What? It has to be alcohol, right? Saucy sauce. Oh, well, Frypan's the chef, so maybe it is an actual sauce? I don't know, but I want to meet this Frypan. We're hearing a lot about Frypan, but we haven't met him yet, and he seems intriguing. Especially his saucy sauce. Also, if it is alcohol that he's referring to, just say sauce. Why are you saying saucy sauce? Like it's such a cutesy little way to say it. Maybe that's the slang. I don't know. He goes, What? Those things must weigh half a ton, dude. Plus, I wouldn't touch one if you gave me a free trip out of this place. And Alby, he's intrigued. He goes, well, what did it look like? Were the metal spikes in or out of its body? Did it move at all? Was its skin still moist? Moist, still moist. So he knows that the skin is moist. He's just wondering if in death it becomes less moist. I don't know if that's enough of an excuse to say moist so many times, but okay. And Thomas, he's thinking metal spikes, moist skin. What in the world? Even though I think he's already... Seen a griever and seen the metal spikes, but whatever. And Minnow says, slim it, man. You gotta see it for yourself. It's weird. And Albi, I guess, doesn't know what weird means. I know they have their own little fucked up language, but apparently weird doesn't translate. And Albi says, weird, looking confused. And Minnow says, dude, I'm exhausted, starving and sunsick. But if you want to haul it right now, we could probably make it there and back before the wall's shut. And Albie's like, nah, it's getting pretty late. Better wait till the wake up tomorrow. The wake up tomorrow. Do the walls not move? There's no guarantee it will be in the same position as it was left today, right? I don't know. This whole maze moving in the middle of the night thing. I, just, I don't know if it's real or not. I know we've seen the walls move, but the way people talk, I don't, I don't get it. And Minnow's like, whatever. And he gets up and he starts limping towards the homestead. And he says, I should go back out there, but screw it. I'm going to go eat some of Frypan's nasty casserole. Okay, poor Frypan. He's just doing his best trying to be the chef for like, what, a hundred boys. And all the thanks he gets, it's quite disrespectful. He's probably not a chef. He's probably a 15 year old boy who just likes cooking. And he's stepped up to the plate to feed you ungrateful fuckers. And you're all making fun of him. And Thomas is like, no. Nah. He's upset that Minnow's walking away. Although it says he had to admit Minnow did look like he deserved a rest and a bite to eat, but he wanted to learn more. It's not all about you, Thomas. And then Albie, he says to Thomas, if you know something and ain't telling me. And Thomas is like, oh God, haven't we covered this? I don't know anything. And he says, why do you hate me so much? And Alby says, hate you? Boy, you ain't learned nothing since showing up in that box. Well, no, because no one will tell him anything. This ain't got nothing to do with no hate or like or love or friends or anything. All we care about is surviving. Drop your sissy side and start using that shuck brain if you got one. I hate the way they talk. I actually don't think I like this book. I hate this book. And Thomas is like, well, why do you keep accusing me of shit? And he says, because it can't be a coincidence, slinthead. This, I hate slinthead. You pop in here, then we get us a girl newbie the next day. A crazy note, Ben trying to bite ya. Dead grievers, something's going on and I ain't resting till I figure it out. Yeah, something's going on. It's all crazy. It was crazy before Thomas got there. Once a month, a boy would come out of a hole in the ground without a memory and apparently that's all (laughs) hunky-dory. He wasn't upset about that. But now that there's two people in a row and one's a female, oh, nah, nah, something's going on, it's too fishy. And Thomas is like, oh my God, I have memory loss. I don't know what the hell's going on. Back off. And Albie says, Slim it, greenie. Grow up and start thinking. Ain't got nothing to do with accusing nobody of nothing. But if you remember anything, if something even seems familiar, you better start talking. See, this, the whole characterization of Albie and how he speaks is also just so whack. We'll get a whole sentence where he says, thinking, nothing, nothing. And then he says, anything talking, accusing, something. It's just like he picks and chooses when he says the G's at the end of an ing word. No consistency. And then Albie just walks off. I'm, I'm exhausted by this. It's just all dialogue, nothing fun happening. And so Alby walks off and then Thomas, <laughs> I guess he wants to go to a nice quiet place to think, but he goes to the Deadheads and sits by a tree, which is like where he got attacked, what, yesterday? If it were me and I wanted to get away from it all, I probably wouldn't go back to the scene of where I was attacked, especially because it's a cemetery. But Thomas is, he's a different kind of guy. And so he's just enjoying being alone, getting some alone time. And then of course, Chuck shows up and oh, he hates his best friend, Chuck. Chuck ruined his peace and quiet. And Chuck is saying, Thomas, Thomas. And Thomas is like, "Ugh, what do you want? And he says, Ben isn't dead. <gasps> And Thomas is like, what? He says, baggers went to get him, arrow missed his brain, medjacks patched him up. Okay, I know I said the medjacks aren't that qualified, but they must be doing a good job if they can patch up a kid with an arrow through his mouth. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. presumably pointing up towards his brain, but just stopping shallow of his brain. I I dunno. But it seemed pretty full on, that's a pretty full on wound. And for them to be able to patch him up <laughs> they're better than I thought. And Thomas is like, what? I thought he was dead. I could have sworn he were dead. And now he's worried that he'll be attacked again, etc. And Chuck goes, Yeah, I thought he was dead too, but now he's locked up in the slammer proper noun capital S a huge bandage covering half his head. And Thomas spins to face Chuck and he goes, the slammer, what do you mean? And Chuck says, the slammer, it's our jail on the north side of the homestead. Okay, that one seemed like a freebie. Like we call it a slammer as well. I don't know why that one's so untranslatable. So Thomas says, well, what are we gonna do with him? And he says, well, we've already had a gathering of the keepers this morning. They made a unanimous decision by the sounds of it. He's being banished, proper noun, capital B, tonight for trying to kill Thomas. And again, Thomas, you'd think he'd be starting to not so much pick up on the lingo, but understand language that is not jargon because he goes, banished? What does that mean? It's like, what? It means banished, doll. Like, I don't know how to explain that for you a bit more. And Chuck also thinks it must be obvious because he doesn't answer, he just smiles. And then he turns and runs off to go and tell someone else the news. And I guess it's meant to be like sinister that he's smiling and not saying anything. But I think he's thinking, it means fucking banished, dipshit. Like, I'm not gonna explain it. So then we cut to that night, Newt and Albie, they're gathering every last glader at the east door. And it's about a half hour before the door shuts. And the runners, they've returned. They're in the map room. All of these are proper nouns, by the way. And it says, it still bothered Thomas how Chuck had smiled when breaking the news about Ben being banished capital B proper noun, Though we didn't know exactly what it meant. It certainly didn't sound like a good thing. He has language. He understands and speaks English. This is an English word He still hasn't even figured out. He's not even got a clue as to what banished might mean. So they're all standing around and then Albie shouts, bring him out. So from around the far side of the homestead, three of the bigger boys appeared dragging Ben along the ground. And then Albie says, Newt, bring out the pole. That's a proper noun, capital P. Like, okay, no, stop it, James Dashner. Not everything is a proper noun. I'll allow it with the keepers and the glade and the homestead even, but a pole is a pole, dude. It seems completely unnecessary to make that a proper noun. It's just a pole. So then one of the other boys goes towards a tool shed and comes out with a pole. It's a big giant pole. And at the end of the pole, there's a collar. Okay. And Thomas is horrified by the whole affair and he can't help but feel responsible even though he'd never done anything to provoke Ben. Well, that might not be the case. I'm still team Ben. Oh, and I guess we hadn't figured out that it was a collar yet because then James Dashan is just describing the pole with this thing at the end of it. And there's some mystery about what it is. And then finally, Thomas can see the strange attachment. It's a loop of rough leather a large button snap revealed that the loop could be opened and closed and its purpose became obvious. It was a collar, end of chapter. It really took him a long time to realize that it's a collar, didn't it? <laughs> it wasn't until the button snap <laughs> was he like, oh, that's a collar. And then we start chapter 14 again, still in the moment. It wasn't necessary for a chapter ending unless, you know, collar was a big giant reveal, but it's it's not. The cliffhangers in this book is a bit sucky. Like at least the cliffhangers on the Da Vinci Code, they're a bit punchier. Well, half the time at least. So Albie puts the collar around Ben's neck and Ben's a freaking mess. He's crying. There's dribbles of snot oozing from his nostrils and the Gladers are watching silent. And Ben's like, Alby, please, please. I swear I was just sick in the head from the changing proper noun capital C. I never would have killed him. Just lost my mind for a second. Please, Alby, please. He was trying to kill Thomas, but I'll allow it. So now Ben's on one end of this pole, this 20-foot pole attached by a collar, and Alby's holding it from the other end. And Alby makes a big speech. And he says, Ben of the Builders, proper noun, capital B, you've been sentenced to banishment, proper noun, capital B, for the attempted murder of Thomas the newbie, proper noun, capital N. That's just his name now, Thomas the newbie. You could just say Thomas. I don't think there's any other Thomases. The keepers, proper noun, capital K, have spoken and their word ain't changing. You ain't never coming back. Keepers take your place on the banishment pole, proper noun, capital B, capital P. Now it's the banishment pole. Ooh, how often has this been used? It's interesting because the threat is always I'll throw you off the cliff. No one ever mentions banishment poles. (laughs) And Thomas hated that his link to Ben was being made public. Hated the responsibility he felt. Everyone knows that Ben tried to kill your dude, like calm down. But more than anything, he just wanted Ben gone, wanted it all to be over. So he's pro banishment from the sounds of it. So then all of the like head keepers have to grab onto the pole. (laughs) So Minnow's there. So he's the head of the runners, the keeper of the runners, sorry. They're not called heads, they're called keepers. And Winston, the butcher, also took up a position because I guess he's the head of the butchers. So then they're all in position, 10 keepers spaced evenly apart between Albie at one end of the pole and Ben at the other end of the pole. And now Thomas is feeling sorry for Ben. And he's like, obviously something was wrong with him. Why did he deserve this fate? Couldn't something be done for him? Would Thomas spend the rest of his days feeling responsible? And then Ben's shouting out, he's like, help me, help me, please. Somebody help me, blah, blah, blah. And Albie says, if we let shanks like you get away with that stuff, we never would have survived this long. Keepers, get ready. They're really dragging out this banishment. And he's saying, no, 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 I'll do anything. I'll never do it again. And so I guess they're just walking the pole towards the maze and pushing Ben along with them. And then the doors begin to close while they're pushing, pushing, pushing. And so now Ben's trapped on the other side of the door. And so Ben's jerking, trying to escape the collar, but he's on the wrong side of the door. And then the door's shut, squeezing the pole and I guess snapping the pole off. So this one half of the pole's broken. And Ben's letting out this really animalistic, bestial, lunatic cry that surely ripped his vocal cords to shreds. And so now he's, he's stuck on the other side of the wall effectively banished, even though he'll just die that night from all of the grievers. And the chapter ends with it saying, Thomas squeezed his eyes shut and was surprised to feel tears trickling down his cheeks. Surely that's not the most effective way to banish someone, right? Like a big giant pole that they had to (laughs) push him out with. If I were a keeper or the keeper's keeper, the head of the keepers, I would have shoved the kid down the hole where the elevator shaft is just to test the theory that he would get cut in half. It seems pretty senseless to to sentence this guy to death without using him to at least test an escape route. And Thomas is once again going to bed with the haunted image of Ben's face burned into his mind. And you'd think by Ben's last moments, psychotically thrashing and spitting and screaming so terrified of being in the maze that he'd no longer wanna be a runner, but no, he still wants to be a runner. Rest assured, He still has this weird feeling inside of him that he is destined to be a runner. It says, Thomas shuddered and rolled over on his side. The more he thought about it, being a runner didn't sound like such a great idea, but inexplicably, it still called to him. It makes no sense. So then he's woken up in the morning by Newt, who's saying, get up, you lug. And he says, what time is it? And Newt says, it's seven o'clock. I thought I'd let you sleep in after such a rough couple of days. And Thomas... He's like, Jesus Christ, sleep in. What are you guys, a bunch of farmers? Well, I yeah, some of them are, I guess. And then he thinks, farmers. How do I remember so much about farmers? <laughs> and the memory wipe once again baffles him. Like, yeah, you know farmers, but you don't know what banishment means or what a slammer is. And Newt says, Oh well, since you mention it, yeah, I'm gonna put you with the tracos today. So why are you calling them tracos if you know that they're farmers? Just say farmers. Track hose doesn't really roll off of the tongue, does it? And so Newt's calling him Greenie, And Thomas is like, um, aren't you supposed to quit calling me that? And he's like, what, why? And he goes, because I'm not the newest newbie anymore, right? The girl in the coma is. Call her Greenie. My name's Thomas. Like, okay, stop trying to shaft off your shitty nickname to the new girl who's in a coma, Thomas. That's pretty shitty you're still effectively a greenie. And to try and throw Coma Girl under the bus, that's just low. And then thoughts of the girl crashed around his mind, made him remember the connection he felt. A sadness washed over him as if he missed her, wanted to see her, and he thinks that doesn't make sense. I don't even know her name. Well, just call a greenie then. And Newt says, burn me. You grew some right nice sized eggs overnight now, didn't you? What the hell do- What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? I'm, I'm gonna guess and say, some right nice-sized eggs grown overnight means that he grew balls. And why say balls when you can say nice-sized eggs instead? And then Thomas, oh my God, he's so dumb. He says, what's a track hoe? What's a track hoe? I thought we just- I, I, th- I thought we came to the conclusion that they're farmers. But I know I guess not because then he says they're what we call the guys working their butts off in the gardens, proper noun, capital G. I mean, <laughs> gardens is a proper noun now. Tiling, weeding, planting and such. So they're not the farmer. Gardeners and farmers are very different. And Thomas says, who's the keeper? And Newt says, zart. Nice guy, as long as you don't slough on the job. Slough? He's the big one that stood in front last night. Okay, Zart. His name is Zart. Uh, All right, surely that's not a name. Zart? And Thomas is like, okay, well, why'd you wake me up so early? But then the walls open up for the day and he looks towards the east door and he sees Minnow walk over and pick something up. And it's the section of the pole that got squished by the door and the leather collar attached to it. And so Minnow picks it up and tosses it back to another runner. And Newt says, only seen three banishments, Tommy, all as nasty as the one you peeped on last night. But every bug and time, the grievers leave the collar on our doorstep. Gives me the willies like nothing else. Well, then maybe stop banishing people that way. And like, it's an effective execution. I think by saying banishment, like you're pretending like they have a chance in there, but you know they don't. So if you're gonna execute the guy, just shoot him with the arrow again, but aim for the head this time. Or toss him down an elevator shaft. Throw him over the cliff. If the banishments are always so nasty and terrible, maybe mix up the formula. And so then Thomas, I don't know, is inspired to ask about his career progression. And he goes, oh, so tell me about the runners. (laughs) He just wants to know all about the runners. Becoming a runner just felt like something he was born to do. And Newt's like, oh, the runners? Why are you talking to me about the runners? And he goes, oh, well, they're the best of the best. Everything depends on them. And apparently Newt was a runner until he hurt his legs a few months back. And Thomas asks him how he hurt himself. And he's like, well, running from the gravers, duh. Like what the, what the fuck else? And he says, still gives me the chills thinking I might've gone through the changing. Proper noun, capital C. And so Thomas, you know, inquisitive Thomas, he's like, what's that mean anyway, by the way? What do the changes involve? Does everyone go psycho like Ben and start trying to kill people? And Newt's like, yeah, Ben was the worst by far, but I thought you wanted to talk about the runners. And Thomas is like, well, you got me there. And he's like, okay, well, what do you do? Test everybody to see how fast they are. And Newt's like, ugh, show me some smart screeny, Tommy, whatever you like. How fast you can bloody run is only part of it. A very small part of it, actually. Okay, so running's not important to being a runner. Okay, figure that one out. Newt says, when I say best of the best, I mean at everything. To survive the bug and maze, you gotta be smart, quick, strong. Gotta be a decision maker. Know the right amount of risk to take. Can't be reckless. Can't be timid either. It's bloody awful out there, you know? And Thomas is just pushing his luck. He's like, well, if the Grievers only come out at night, what's so terrible to do in there in the day? And Newt's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Okay, well, there's pressure, there's stress. The maze pattern is different every day. You're always worrying about the bloody maps, proper noun, capital M. Okay, we're just, we're making maps a proper noun now. Worst part, you're always scared you might not make it back. Yeah, blah, 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 we get it. But Thomas is still super keen on being a runner, even though he's displayed none of the qualities that Newt just mentioned. And Newt's like, why are you so interested? And he says, I wanna be a runner. And Newt goes, you haven't even been here a week, Shank. Little early for death wishes, don't you think? And he goes, oh, I'm serious. He's." He's dead set on being a runner, still don't know why. And Newt says, forget it. No one's ever become a runner in their first month, much less their first week. Got a lot of proving to do before. We'll recommend you to be the keeper. I'm so sick of this talking and this language and this book. And Thomas says, Newt, I mean it. I can't pull weeds all day. I'll go nuts. Being a runner is what I'm supposed to do. What the fuck? And Newt's like, can you just give it a rest? Like, calm down. Mr. Too good for weeding, born for higher things. He says, listen, trust me on this, Tommy. Start stomping around this place, yapping about how you're too good to work like a peasant, how you're all nice and ready to be a runner. You'll make plenty of enemies. Drop it for now. Like, yeah, drop it, dude. Take the advice. And he's like, nah. He goes, I'll just talk to Minnow about it then. And he says, good try, you bug and shank. The gathering elects runners. And if you think I'm tough, they'd laugh in your face. And he's like, well, I could be good at it, but like, whatever. Imagine the confidence that this Thomas has. The brazen confidence of him. Ugh. And Newt says, you listen to me, Grainy. You listen all nice and pretty. You better stop this nonsense before others hear about it. That's not how it works around here. Our whole existence depends on things working. God, I'm bored with this. Are we not just getting like three whole pages in a row of the same conversation? And so Newt says, all right, let's make a deal. Keep your mouth shut about it. And I'll put you on the list of potential trainees as soon as you show some clout. Don't keep your trap shut, and I'll bloody make sure you never see it happen. Deal. And Thomas goes, That's a sucky deal. It's actually a good deal, Thomas. Snap the fuck out of it. But eventually he says, Fine, deal. And Newt says, Come on, let's get us some grub from Frypan and hope we don't bloody choke. Oh, poor Frypan, again, the butt of every joke. And that morning, Thomas finally gets to meet the infamous Frypan, but only from a distance. Because yeah, he's too busy trying to feed breakfast to an army of starving gladers. And yeah, he's not even like 16 years old yet. Poor frypan, And also he's got a beard and Thomas thinks that he's not very sanitary because he's got all of this hair that might fall into his cooking. And then he makes a mental note to watch out for nasty black hairs in his meals. Like, oh my God, leave fry pan alone. And so then he and Newt join Chuck for breakfast at a picnic table right outside the kitchen, proper noun, capital K. So it's a proper noun for the kitchen. The kitchen, surely not. And then there's commotion. There's commotion because Minnow and Albie, they're going into the maze to look at the dead griever. And I guess a bunch of boys just wanted to wave them off. They must be bored, aren't they? They must be bored if that's cause for commotion. And Chuck says, oh, hey, Newt, I've got a question about that dead graver. actually. If they found a dead graver, well, then who killed the stupid thing? And Thomas thinks, oh, excellent question. And, you know, Thomas is the king of questions. He's the keeper of questions. So if he says it's an excellent question, then like, wow. And he waited for Newt to answer, but nothing came. He obviously didn't have a clue. And that's the end of the chapter. Oh my God, we don't know who killed the graver. I don't know, maybe natural causes? maybe old age, like, I don't know, someone killed a griever. Great. Why does that have to be turned into a big giant mystery? Just count your blessings. You're lucky one of them's dead. Fantastic. Anyway, that's the end of this episode of Breaking Down Bad Books. Thank you so much for listening. It's not my favorite book so far. I really didn't enjoy it. (laughs) I'm hoping it gets a bit better. I doubt it, but I'm hoping. So I'll see you guys next week for the next batch of chapters. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com, or on Twitter at podbreakingdown, and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breaking down bad books. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,